All right, welcome back to Problem Solver Politics. I am your host, Cardinellis, with Cody the Oracle. Hey, everybody. And today we got all kinds of cool stuff on the dock, and it's actually it was a wild night. Thank you for uh, checking out all of the Twitter clips that we had of the debate outside. It was a dumpster fire, but it was a beautiful dumpster fire. Anyway, um, the hashtag could have had Yang was totally trending last night. And if any of you guys watch the debate, you understand that, well, this is basically why we can't have nice things in America anymore. Um, that was actually pretty interesting. We're going to dive into that. Also, um, my favorite part of the debates last night and the very first clip that I put out there and edited, and I still think I was the first one in cyberspace, Cody, that noticed the Freudian slip of Bloomberg literally admitting that he bought those 21 Democrats and use the word bot. That was hilarious. And then uh, we're just going to go over all of our other assorted favorite debate gaffes today. Uh, that, though, however, was my favorite. But let's get started with talking about could have had Yang because that was that was actually a really impressive moment. Of course, a lot of people on our personal feed, Cody, um, when we asked who do you think won the debate, you know, a lot of the Yang, Yang gang is going to say, oh, well, yeah, well, Yang did. But the population at large seems to have missed this guy. I mean, it was it was uh, it was pretty impressive. So, Cody, tell us what's going on. Yeah, well, I thought this was funny, so I'll go back and I'll show these these were the top trends on Twitter in the United States uh, last night. You'll notice during the Dem debate when I was tweeting, so I was trending ten hours ago from now would be roughly working back. Oh, actually, wow, what an easy number. It would have been midnight. So later in the night, but you would have seen it. It goes back for a few hours. And why? I mean, it's over but, Tom Steyer and everything. Well, no, but, no, but there's a one to bring this up. Is what One thing I thought was pretty funny is why, what was the impetus for this? I think, one, the debate was an absolute trash debate. That 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 helps, right? The debate was awful. Um, Everybody hated it. We're all dumber for having watched it. But there was one moment where I think it really kind of encapsulated everything. So I'm going to run this clip. It's about 38 seconds long, and I think this is why a lot of people were hoping maybe for a little more than what they got. So anyway, this is what we got to see last night in the debate, and I think this this is probably the moment when I also was like, wow, you know what? I really would like to see Andrew Yang on this debate stage. So we'll just roll the clip. And uh, do something for the people of America you, instead of a bunch of broken uh, promises uh, that sound good on bumper stickers. Mr. Steyer, Mr. Steyer. I think we're talking we'll about that. We'll get you, guy. Mr. Sanders. Let's talk let about me, it. Can Steyer. I say something? Look, first of all, Bernie, first let, me go. Go. let me go. I think, Tom, I think she was talking about my plan, not yours. I think we were right. talking about math in a it doesn't no, take no, two hours well, to do the math, because let's talk about let's what talk it adds about up to. We math. Don't. Let's talk about let's math talk about math. Okay, if so here's the math. Nothing, no, here's the math. Excuse me. Can I respond to the Doing nothing is what will happen. Senator Sanders, you were allowed a quick response, and we would like to... That was about a half hour into the debate, and I think I said, when we get 30 minutes into the debate, and all we have is a bunch of people yelling over each other about math, just kind of as a general concept, that was when I was really like, man... I could have really stood for Andrew Yang that debate stage. I also want to point out, speaking of Andrew Yang, the way this this clip starts right here is that they start by asking Tom Steyer a question. He gets cut off by Bernie Sanders. Everyone starts yelling over each other and screaming math. And then right about here, they cut off Tom Steyer's mic. You can watch. You can see his mouth moving and you can't hear him. So we can pull it up for you guys. And we would like to allow the other candidate. Moderator, guys. There we go. Senator Sanders. They cut his mic off and go to Bernie instead. So, so they ask him a question. That was the level. I mean, that was the level of moderation. That was the level of decorum. That was the level of respect given to each other. It was a disaster. Well, and, and then also, let's not forget they asked Tom Steyer a question, and when he went to respond, he was interrupted 
by uh, Bernie Sanders, who then was interrupted by Amy Klobuchar, who was then interrupted by Buttigieg. And so since Pete Buttigieg now interrupted Bernie, they said, OK, no, Tom Steyer, you need to shut up because we're going to let Bernie Sanders answer the question. But yet, no, it was Tom Steyer's question. Yeah. They literally said, Tom Steyer, we have a question for you. Oh, wait, no, no, shut up. We got to let the guy that interrupted you talk. You can kind of hear It's him. like, what? It's hard to hear, but you can kind of hear him in the clip for a second. I, I'll, I'll send the links. I'll put the links so you guys can watch it. Where you can hear Tom Steyer say, wait a minute, you asked me a question. And yeah. then they cut his microphone <laughs> off. So it was a bunch of nonsense. But I also want to get into it. So talking about okay. kind of why, like I said, let you guys let me know in the comments if you watched the debate. What was the moment where you, before I even saw this thing was trending? Because, again, it really got picked up the trend later in the night on Twitter. But the idea was people were talking about this. This was the moment during the debate where I was like, wow, I really do miss Andrew Yang being on these debate stages because this is absolute insanity. I mean, it's ironic, too, that that was because that was one of the it was a really rowdy debate. People bad moderation all night. Nobody stopping when they're supposed to. But it was kind of ironic, too, like that first kind of like crescendo moment about a half hour into this debate. Everyone's yelling math over each other. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. what a, what a more like 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 a what's something good for? It's like. It definitely had me thinking of Andrew Yang, and that's why I probably was like, wow, man, I wish there was someone on this debate stage who wasn't crazy. I guess Bloomberg was one of the few candidates who didn't get Actually, involved that's in kind that of fracas. But that's kind of Bloomberg now. We I, I, we hate to say it. But the Bloomberg brings nothing good to the stage. Well, he just isn't no, always yelling. No, but he, he's – Brittany said it the very, very first time she saw him. She said, gosh, Bloomberg was the one I liked the most because he wasn't being a psycho that was yelling. He was just speaking in well-measured words that just seemed like the adult in the room. I mean, when Michael Bloomberg, now listen to me, you know, like when the guy that kind of sounds like he's screeching when he talks, okay, is sounding like the adult in the room. This is why we can't have nice things. He doesn't sound like the adult in the room, though. I think he sounds like a moron, almost always. You know what? No, his best line was, this conversation is exactly why Donald Trump's going to win. And I'll tell you right now, there were- Yang said seven months ago in the debate stage. Okay, so I'm just drawing a parallel between the two. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying when Bloomberg is coming across, when the guy that blatantly Freudian slipped- his purchase of the Democrat Party. Well, we'll get to that in a bit. Is the guy that's sounding like the adult in the room? But I don't think he empirically. This is why we can't have he nice isn't things. empirically sounding like the adult in the room. You know, what? I agree with Andrew Yang. Andrew, speaking of, I want to bring. This I'm up. speaking my truth. The one of the reasons. I'm speaking my reality. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> please spare me. But anyway, um, speaking speaking of Andrew Yang, though, he was on CNN because he is now a CNN analyst. Mixed feelings abound. Personally, I like it. But speaking of your boy Bloomberg, I want to go through a little bit of what Andrew Yang was talking <laughs> about boy. at CNN. I thought it was kind of interesting, but he he had a very interesting takeaway from um, Bloomberg's campaign. Honestly, I like this one, so let's roll this for a second. This was Andrew Yang on Michael Bloomberg uh, and his 2020 campaign. Reminds me of like a movie director who casts himself. You know what I mean? It's like I can't find anyone who's going to be better in this role than me. And like you know, I looked in the mirror and I said. Uh, the big missing piece Which, to me by the way, is, is we're, we're not just take all <laughs> of these resources funny. and put them towards a candidate that he believed in. It reminds me of like a movie. That's the first direct- I wanted to keep because that is that is that is. We were talking about this in a video yesterday, which was I want yeah. to run this clip as well. And it's again, I'm, I'm highlighting this because this was the kind of more refreshing stuff we don't get in the debate stage because a bunch of. Eh, I mean. Is I guess charitably morons are on the debate stage. We don't get to hear this kind of stuff, but it's a great point. And I said we've said it before. Why didn't Bloomberg just use his money to help a real candidate for president win? Why does it have to be him that runs? 
Same with yeah. Steyer. Why? Imagine if Steyer and Bloomberg teamed up and bankrolled a candidate. Think they would have won, right? Dude, that's true. Where you don't have Steyer or Bloomberg siphoning. What votes if they off literally anyone? just got somebody who is truly charismatic, truly centrist, and just even muscled them through? Gosh, you know imagine that. if Buttigieg had all of the billionaire support Dude, basically in the country, and all of the Steyer and Bloomberg votes would be gone. They'd have to they'd have to go to somebody. Because they wouldn't be in the race. And then so, Bloomberg and Steyer would, would easily get cabinet positions where they'd have all the security clearances yeah. and could know everything now, that's going on. And they'd basically run yeah. the show. But we never got to see <laughs> Yang and Bloomberg on the same debate stage. But I do like to think Yang would have brought that point up on the debate stage. Of like, hey, I like Mike, but why is he even running? He has a lot of money that could do a lot of good not running for president. I thought that was interesting. And there's one more thing, because this is this is always... it's become, It's kind of become, because Yang hasn't made his endorsement yet, after... Whenever Yang appears on CNN, it's like Bernie watch. It's like, okay, is Yang going to endorse Bernie? Is he going to be fair to Bernie? Is he going to say bad about Bernie? Well, this is one of the things, and this is this is not the full clip. Actually, hold on. Give me one second. I want to pull up the full clip because I want to I run a bit about what he said about it. But I do think it's funny how it is kind of becoming this like Bernie watch. Like, okay, is Andrew Yang going to defend Bernie Sanders on CNN tonight? And he doesn't because I don't know why he would in the first place. It's not like they're running together. Um, but it is here we go. I'll play the, the half clip first and I'll get the full one first. Okay. I clipped the part I like to talk, talk about the most, but in fairness, I want to play the whole thing. But Andrew Yang talks about how Bernie Sanders was kind of this like castle on a hill. He was unflappable and he basically dominated the messaging. And here's a little soundbite from that. I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk yeah. about. It's right. going to have some relationship. But that was what was supposed to ask me. No but it not is not really going to be what you'd ask me about. But and that, it's going to and now go into a Bernieism and everything you right. say to him. It's like let me be clear. <laughs> I'm going to now, talk about there's what a couple I'm things I love about this clip in the first place. I'll run yeah. back up. The first thing I love about this clip, and again, this isn't like him being dour and negative on Bernie. He brings up like Bernie yeah, Sanders, funny. Was, but he said he basically was, you know, unflappable. He basically got to talk about whatever he wanted to talk about, and no one can make him talk about anything else. However, the irony, I think maybe Andrew Yang picks up on this more. Andrew Yang's entire debate strategy for seven debates was no matter what they ask me. Boom, pivot to UBI. Like, they could be like, so, Andrew, where'd you get those shoes? Wow, fascinating question. Anyway, did you know if every American can afford <laughs> shoes like these? If, so I think that that might be why he kind of had that particular insight. And again, I don't, I'm not bringing this with a rag on Bernie. I think it's funny that, like, that was basically Yang's debate strategy. So he's kind of commending Bernie for being perhaps more successful at that same debate strategy because that did happen multiple times well, where there was this sense of, and it wasn't just Bernie, though. A lot of candidates did that where they're just like, I'm not going to answer the why would I answer the question these moderators asked me when the moderators are a joke and we're running over them saying whatever we want and they can't stop us? Like, why would they answer their questions, you know? Yeah, and also I thought that, I thought it was really interesting because the Bernie bros are costing Bernie Sanders. Like, how many articles have we read about people saying, whoa, dude, you cannot speak any kind of contradiction to a Bernie Sanders idea or else you are going to get a massive negative attack online army that's like the reverse of the Yang gang instead of like having a bunch of nice stuff you know barraging Ellen saying please get Yang on our show we love him and he doesn't get a lot of attention you know what I'm saying you're getting the absolute reverse and what I found that was actually kind of sad to me Cody is I love the Andrew Yang candidacy because it was kind of this weird oasis that I've never really experienced in my adult life where just people from a Trump background or a libertarian background or a, 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 an establishment Democrat background, 
uh, people of all backgrounds could kind of come together and they fell in love with an idea. Not necessarily a person. There was a person attached to it, which we liked. You know what I'm saying? But this idea of UBI, this idea of democracy dollars, this idea of, you know, nuclear energy helping as a stopgap before we get green technology in our in our country, you know? And it was a place where ideas were spoken of and backgrounds were really secondary and into the backseat. And this identity politics BS was just kind of forgotten. And and I I know that not all good things can last forever. I know that. So I've kind of in my mind been wondering what's going to cause the breakup of the Yang gang and how many people in the comments when we posted that video on Twitter were like, I'm quitting Yang now because he spoke evil of Bernie. Well, not many, really. Not many. Maybe one or two. Not not many, but one or two. And you know, that every one or two is probably demonstrative of another 50 to 1,000 that think the exact same way or whatever it is. A thousand? Like, <laughs> well, what's funny is when you write your congressman, the Senate and the congressional um, business office, whatever the CBO is, uh, has actually figured and, and ran a statistic and done studies for uh, the Senate and uh, senators and congressmen. And I'm sure the data is different now with, um, you know, tweeting and more interactive social media. But at one point they had it down where they said, like, if you've received a letter on a topic, there's probably 50,000 other people that share that person's opinion. So if you get eight letters about the pipeline between San Dimas and Pomona then you probably have 300 to 600,000 people or whatever the rubric is, you know, of people that think this way. So I, I'm sure that for every, you know, one or two that we see just on this uh, tweet that we posted that got several thousand views, you know, th there's probably X, Y, or Z amount of other people that actually think that way. And, and I would be saddened to think that the first to go were the Bernie bros. You know what I'm saying? Because of a, a, a kind of... Uh, fanatical adherence to a person instead of necessarily an idea you know what i'm saying so anyway um yeah I, I think that's i think the two winners of that debate were andrew yang and donald trump just and just donald trump can just pull sound bites for the next two or three days out of that debate showing how crazy these people are showing how bernie won't say uh won't speak evil of communists that killed uh you know half of florida's grandparents you know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he Donald Trump Jr. is going to be having a heyday like that. That debate was a gift to the Republican Party. And um, it really hurt Sanders. I think even though a lot of people said that he they thought he won the debate, uh, everybody turned on Sanders. But everybody that turned on him didn't really make themselves shine. So I, I don't know necessarily who who won that debate. It feels like it was just a general loss for everybody that was on stage and a huge victory for people that weren't, Donald Trump and Andrew Yang. Yeah, well, I think the only... I think everybody lost, but the biggest losers were um, were us for having watched it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, though, the biggest losers were, a, were CBS's credibility. Their moderators were a joke. Like I said, Andrew Yang brought up the fact that Bernie Sanders never felt the need to actually... like fully address the questions he was asked because why should he these moderators are clowns i'm surprised anyone bothered to speak about any topics on hand at all why would they why should they have these moderators couldn't keep it on track for 30 seconds like this was the most i and i mean i want to get if i was one of those moderators when i went home at night man i would have felt terrible because you basically got clowned on and disrespected on national television for two hours these these candidates did not treat the candidates acted like they're basically. Well, Joe Biden literally said, "Why am I stopping? Well, no, no, Nobody else is stopping." Beyond that, he yeah. Uh, 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 shortly after that, one of the commentators was like, "Well, thank you, Joe, for being a gentleman and stopping." And he said, 
And he said, well, it appears gentlemen don't get treated very well on the stage. Because, yes, they don't. It was a ridiculous thing, and CBS definitely came out the biggest. Anyway, though, speaking yeah. of losers, there was an interesting moment happened in the debate last night with Michael Bloomberg. So he kind of— An interesting. He, I guess <laughs> that, let, that's a good he, word he for it. He was honest for a few seconds here. I'll run the clip, and I just want to let you guys know, or I want you guys to let me know if you hear anything that stands out as bizarre in this clip. So anything that might be 21 construed. of those were people that I spent $100 million to help elect. The, all of the new Democrats that came in and put Nancy Pelosi in charge and gave the Congress the ability to control this president, I, bought, I, I got them. Number two, <laughs> when you talk about money, gave the Congress the ability to control this president, I, bought, I, I got them. Number two, when you... So I like how there's, you actually can hear a round of applause starting when he's talking about how he was, all these Congress people have flipped the House. Woo, I bought. I mean, I got them. So that was a very, but what does he mean by that? Because it's one thing for him. Maybe he was trying to say, I bought ads to help them win, and he just cut himself off and changed, right? But what is he talking about when he says that? Well, I want to go back in the Wayback Machine here to the far distant past of 2018 when there was a big midterm election and the House was actually flipped blue by Democrats. Uh, this is an article from the New York Times from 2018. Yeah, but we lived this, bro. You and I lived this. This is more than just us digging up a New York Times but, article. But, but, but I want to show, though. We firsthand experienced Michael Bloomberg's money flooding a district the week before the election goes and then tipping it on behalf of a Democrat who ended up being just an absolutely horrible dumpster fire of a person. It was a pretty bad investment. But hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I wanna kind of talk, get to what you're talking about, and then we'll get into that as well. Okay. So, um, so they, there's a whole article here, but I still want to show you guys. This is a map of the 24 House races that Michael Bloomberg targeted in 2018. Now, 21 of those he did win. It is worth noting, we'll get to in a second, California 25th is currently vacant at this moment. So it's more like 20 wins. I haven't looked into every other district. I don't think there's any other vacancies. And, of course, a lot of these people are getting ready for some contested, I'm sure, house races yeah. again. Uh, they, they go on to mention that. What, the, what was it, 48th? Or One of those other seats in California he flipped was a 15-year incumbent. Like This wasn't just yeah. some random guy who got out of here. But how much does this cost, right? You talk about Dana Rohrbacher. Exactly. Down but, in but San listen Diego, to this. Right? They, yeah. they, they reach out to a, um, who is it, a Kevin McCarthy, who is the House Republican leader. Listen to this. Assessing the election outcome, Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, cited Mr. Bloomberg's spending as a significant factor. Michael Bloomberg's money went a long way. He defeated a lot of people by writing those $5 million checks. Uh, Kyle Conduct, managing editor of Sabato's Crystal Ball at the University of Virginia, Politics credited Mr. Bloomberg's operation for picking smart races. Smart races. Well, when you go to a town like, for example, as you brought up, the 25th District of, Santa, of, uh, of California, which encompasses Santa Cruz and Palmdale and a couple other cities, there's, I mean, you're running to represent how many people? 300,000, 400,000? That's a bigger district, right? That's not the biggest thing ever. A couple million dollars will tilt those elections big time. So how much did he spend it all across all these elections? Well, now this is an article from 2020. We have an idea that Michael Bloomberg, through all of his PACs and all of his everything else, spent over $100 million to flip 20 seats at this point. So when he says yeah. he bought Something he never got what he actually bought. Well, he said, "I I, I bought him. I, I mean, I got him." Yeah, but he, he could have like said he could have been saying he was bought him, got him. But it does feel like he bought them when yes, he would show up, and as the as the Republican uh, chair mentioned before, he'd basically show up with a check because hey, what is five million times twenty five? Just 
just spitballing, right? Like, I'm yeah. so, a little over $100 million? Like, yeah, that was basically what he did. He would show up to these districts, and he would just be the Bloomberg fairy. Here's $5 million. Here's $4 million. And the thing is, I have to imagine, when you're, especially, we'll get to it, I'll show you right now, somebody like, and it's really unfortunate for Bloomberg what happened here. Unfortunately, this, uh, Katie Hill had to resign, but... What happens when you're someone like Katie Ellis, who was a very little known as far as she had never won any major races before that? No, and, she 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 was a hateful, toxic person that decided to run for office. Okay, but and and, and accused every person within a thirty mile radius of, ra uh, of racism. Okay, got an hold HBO on, hold on, show. Hold on, hold on. Can I get to the facts? And okay. you can go into your, into your t you can you can convince about all your personal okay. issues in a second. <laughs> the facts are little known. No one with no real political background. Sleeping with three interns? Like I said, you, okay. you, can, you can have out all your personal <laughs> issues in a moment. Point being, was a candidate who did not have a lot of uh, political cachet, not a lot of experience, never won anything before. Well, the Bloomberg Ferry came and dropped $4.5 million. Now, like I said, unfortunately for him, she's no longer in Congress. What do you think happens when you're somebody with no real background, no real infrastructure or experience? She had something going. There was a progressive move. I'm not trying to downplay. I'm just saying. This wasn't some big-time established politician here who got a $5 million check to be a congressperson. Yeah. It's Do not somebody that could have done it themselves. What I'm saying is you think if Bloomberg comes asking for favors for any politician, but especially those kind of politicians, young politicians, people who just flipped seats, people who need money and support, do you think they would be beholden to someone like Michael Bloomberg? So when he says he bought well, and it's a great investment, I think that's a better way of phrasing it than any other way. Yeah, and it's a great investment because if you buy them when they're young in their freshman year, they're forever indebted to you. And you know they're going to be in Congress for another 20 years, so you're all of a sudden getting 20 years of loyalty instead of just five. Invest in somebody in their 60s, they're going to be out of the game working as a lobbyist on K Street within two or three years. Well, also you have the issue you know with I'm some saying? people. It's like, it's like, well, I'm the guy who gave you a few million dollars. And for some of them, it's like, which one? Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. But for candidates like this, it's I remember the guy who gave me my $5 million check. Yeah. Like, those... It, it, it just and, it, and we've seen it. We've seen after Bloomberg's first debate disaster. I mean, it, his first debate performance was really bad. Um, he got five or four major endorsements from uh, like like sitting political members, and I think one or two of them were. And also, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of mayors, a lot of mayors that Bloomberg invested into their city for seemingly no reason, right? Hey, couple million dollars in investment in your city for because I'm Michael Bloomberg, and all of a sudden they endorse him for president. It's he's been buying these people all around the place. But I thought the 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 quote I really liked was was this one right here was the fact that he has defeated a lot of people by writing those five million dollar checks. And that's basically what happened. I showed you guys in our very own district. He showed up, wrote a check for about four point five million dollars, ran yeah. a bunch of ads on the behalf, and gave some to the candidate, and she won. And when you're a young freshman senator or congressperson, you probably remember who put you there. So it's it's why he says it's why he almost said he bought them because he kind of did. I mean, yeah. I, I think, like I said, the, the, I mean, what else, what other word would you use for it, though? Like, I mean, bankrolled, uh, funded, uh, which means bought the synonyms, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I if, if, if escrow source. funds on your house, it means you bought your house. If escrow funds on your house, you bought your house. So uh, if 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 you bankroll a corrupt cop because you're Al Capone, you bought a corrupt cop like th there's no other term for the purchase of loyalty and an individual. You know what I'm saying? Then bought. Well, yeah, that's it.
There's other words you could use. Bot's a good one. Twenty. How about put it this way? Bot was the word Michael Bloomberg was about to use, so he clearly thought it was a good one as well. But I wonder. We can go through and look. But I wonder okay. how many of those 24 districts he targeted. I wonder how many of them weren't only vulnerable seats, but they were also people he thought he could buy. I wonder how much that matters to someone like Michael Bloomberg when he goes around and, and he makes these investments. What, has Would it, he invest in someone that might turn around and say, nah, I don't need you, man. I'm comfortable in the seat. I have other support infrastructure. I'm not going to lose. Like, it, it's kind of nice to have somebody in a seat that just flipped in a contested district because you know what they need? They need more money and they need more support. And if that means they have to endorse Michael Bloomberg, and we've already seen it. I'll, I'll, I wish I had done it already, but I'll pull it up in our next video and show you guys. I wonder how many of these people are endorsing Bloomberg right now. How many of these 20 now Congress people that are there because they got money from Bloomberg, how many are endorsing them? And again, you notice the states? Not in one part of the country in particular. We got California, Super Tuesday state. He wants to win that one. We also have stuff in uh, was that Pennsylvania, Texas, Florida, Michigan. Georgia, he didn't. You know, he didn't care to flip state, flip some, uh, flip many districts in a lot of states. But there was a few he wanted multiple districts in, and it appears he got them. Got two yeah. in Virginia. Interesting, right? Just saying. Well, it look, definitely I mean, appears to be a strategy. He's he's in a lot of very important swing states too. Yeah, I mean, he's buying loyalty in Minnesota, in Michigan, in Illinois. Uh, or is that Ohio? I can't see. It's a little bit small. But, I mean, there's Virginia, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a big swing state. New Jersey's not a swing state, but Florida, heck yeah. And even though he lost a little bit of the race there, he's got loyalty in the infrastructure. And then all, also, you got to be in with the California and the, the northeastern seaboard because that's just plain old. Uh, and he also targeted Los Angeles big time as well, which yeah. is... Have, anybody, have, have any of them been as bad, like caught just abusing drugs and being drunk all day in every minute of Congress like Katie Hill was? Have any of them been flops that might actually have blown up in his face a little bit? Because I don't really feel... Like Hold there's on. too much connection with the average person between Bloomberg's money and Katie Hill's absolute just like well, there is no connection. toxic mess. There's no connection. He hired 21 people and one of them was a bad employee. Okay, so you think that so that it has just been one? I can't think of really anybody else. No, that's big that was a very fire. unique situation. And again, okay. it also happens. Of course, you, it had to be an hour district. Exactly. But you again, it's, it's one of the risks that you run when you go out there and you are targeting politicians who don't have the infrastructure and the clout and the long-term experience to fall back on and not have to say, "Fine, buy me for five million. Like. Better, because a better way of putting it is you kind of get what you pay for. You know, yeah. when you're trying to find candidates you think you could own, you're probably not finding extremely capable, long-standing, experienced politicians. They're harder to buy than people who are desperate for a seat. They're easy. So when you're going around trying to find people who want to flip a seat, they want to get their first time in Congress, they're probably, you know, you get what you pay for. You pay 21 of them, the odds that one of them blows up in your face, I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, do you have any other, uh, any other cool favorites of the night that you'd like to go over? Um, for the debate last night, um, this is a couple moments. What was a, what moment stood out to you last night for the debate? Okay, besides the obvious, I bought them. Besides the horribleness of the moderators, I thought I thought it was actually very endearing and funny when Joe Biden says, "Wait." Why am I stopping? Nobody else is stopping. That was actually a very human moment that I thought was very funny. And I mean, as much as I think it's kind of sold out and so on and so, so on and so forth, there's parts of me that like some things about Joe Biden. He, he is a, a kind of charismatically funny retail boomer politician every once in a while. And that's a moment that came through that I actually thought was really positive when Joe Biden was like, wait, wait, nobody else stops. 
Why am I stopping? You know, I I thought I thought that was just really really funny. Um, oh gosh, that's this is a really bad night. If I can't think of something else, actually no, that that's not true. Remember how I always said that I've enjoyed the Bloomberg candidacy because now the mask is coming off. We used to hide the fact that millionaires and billionaires would just give these contributions and own these politicians. But now they're just skipping that step of the process, taking off the mask and just running themselves. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy. I did enjoy seeing the cacophony cacophony of insanity when 12 people are trying not 12 people, but literally five people at once are trying to talk over to each other and the resorting to just such pettiness because you're literally seeing that none of them are grown adults. They've been spoiled by 40 years. The, the, past, the past 30 years or 40 years of Democrat politics have really spoiled those who are Democrats in power because you've been able to just kind of point across the aisle and say racist, point across the aisle and say sexist, point across the aisle and say X, Y, or Z thing. You know what I'm saying? And and it's been a weird game of not I'm better for these reasons, but he's worse for those reasons. It's negative partisanship. This has been documented and scientifically uh, surveyed and 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 corroborated in multiple studies. And the only problem with negative partisanship is when your movement is against somebody else you don't actually have a movement but an anti-movement you don't have an idea but an anti-idea and that's very difficult to speak about in a substantive way so it was actually the reason why you didn't like it and you say we're all the losers is because i can't think cody of a substantive argument that was had maybe other than people accusing bernie sanders of wanting to burn to the ground 160 million people's private health insurance uh, well, but these debates aren't for substantive argument in the first place. That's not the point. Like, well, yeah, ideally, they are. They're, no, they aren't. That's ridiculous. No, they're not. That's not why they have these. That's not why the Democrats and the major news organizations coordinate to have these debates. It's not to have legitimate debates televised on TV. It's to give people time to get their stuff in. That's what it is. Hey, get your sound bites in. We're gonna give you all TV time. We need to get. We need ratings. Hey, CBS people, tune in to CBS. I actually didn't check on the ratings. They're probably bad. They probably declined big time. This isn't for anything. You're talking about the chaos of the whole thing. This is my favorite clip. This this is a seven-second clip that sums up basically the, the experience of watching the debate last night. Yeah, like, do any of these people talk to our teachers? Mr. Campbell, pass this on to Major. Candidates, good evening. Candidates, good evening. People across this country are being. We are going to Major, honor our teachers. Mr. Campbell, pass this on to Major. Candidates, good evening. Candidates, good evening. People across this yeah. country. So, again, I can't even really tell you what was happening in that scene because I don't know. But that was the experience I had watching the debate last night. It was a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of people. There is a couple moments I want to bring up, though. We're talking about okay, funny moments. It. Talking about funny moments and Bernie Sanders. Actually, there was a lot of crowd heckling in general, um, which oh, was weird. Yeah. Um, but this particular moment stuck out to me talking about uh, Cuba and Fidel Castro. As far hey, as before you play Bernie it, though, Sanders Cody, goes. I've been hearing, reading all kinds of articles this morning where apparently... It got out that tickets were over two thousand dollars. They're between thirteen and thirty-six, which is, by the way, yeah. though, hold on, fairly. I mean, I can't tell you. I I couldn't tell you the average price for every debate. These are not. 
these are exclusive rooms for certain people, and it's like that every debate. So, like, well, and then it, so it, it, to it be like in the debate, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, we're in the tenth debate now. It's been like that with all of them. Yeah. So to be at this debate, you had to be coughing up thirteen hundred or thirty six hundred dollars, and it wasn't even considered a ticket. You were a sponsor of the debate. So, well, who's going to have money to sponsor this debate? It's going to be generally Bloomberg folks, Steyer folks. That's that's not true. Wealthy donors. Uh, well, come on, you, Bernie wasn't out there dumping Dude, every, cash e- into every his sponsorships. Every one of these candidates has literally thousands of wealthy donors across the country. Everyone, probably tens to hundreds. Every one of them. Third, so I don't think that like seventeen fifty isn't cheap. But guess what? This isn't a Laker game you're going to nine times this season. Yeah. This is the debate in your home state you're going to once. Like, yeah. So they're 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 the tickets would have to be expensive. Or no. else, first come, first serve madness because everyone wants to be there. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And what's interesting is I was reading a lot of progressive uh, <clears throat> progressive outlets this morning and, you know, Crystal Ball on the Hill was saying that, oh, it, it, it's obvious, you know, we don't have data to prove it, but it's obvious that Bloomberg bought all the seats. Well, just because your boy Bernie Sanders is getting booed doesn't mean that somebody's cheated. Maybe he just has bad ideas. Because also it's important you know? to keep in mind this. That's not the only way in. Every single candidate is given an allotted amount of tickets they get to give out. Now, guess who those tickets go to? Generally speaking, wealthy donors. Yeah, I was about to say, usually donors first. People yeah. who paid for them. But that's yeah. what I mean. It's like it's not like you literally can't get in the door if you don't give $3,000 to the DNC. It's like the candidates have tickets to distribute to people. There, there's individual donors. that like There's people who have donated $2,600 to these candidates already. Like It's like there. it's not... a. It isn't like the only way in the door is a $1,500 ticket you have to buy. It's it's not like that. I'm not defending it being expensive to get into debates, but at the same time, they don't have these debates in football stadiums. Yeah. They see, what, maybe a thousand, not even a couple hundred people in these buildings, right? These, these yeah. debate halls, because they don't want to have it, the logistics of having it at, you know, the Coliseum with 100,000 people in the building. So they kind of have to find some way to delimit the seats. So they give candidates certain amounts and then say, hey, if you want to give us three grand, I guess we'll let you in. But I mean, at a certain point, we have to close the doors. It's just yeah. you can't have everyone in. Because by the way, these debates are televised live so everyone can watch them. That's the other thing. Yeah. So I amend my original response that I couldn't think of another moment that I really liked. I actually really liked it when Bernie Sanders got booed, not because Bernie Sanders was getting booed. But because his emotional reaction was so intense, remember he was like, "Well, really? Well, yeah, you yeah. know?" And he he was like, yeah. in two or three times, he was like, wait, "Wait, you can't boo me. It's usually my people booing you. Wait, I don't get booed. You know, you could definitely tell it caught him off guard to be booed well, like he was, that. I mean, I don't. It caught him off guard." I to be booed that, like that. I think what was more telling is Sanders, he's an entitled politician. He was okay. There we go. You got it then. You got it then. Yes. Uh, no, zing, zing, I, zing. I think zing, the zing. bigger thing is he was the only candidate. And I'll run a clip for you really quickly. It's a short clip uh, that I, I pulled here, but he was the only candidate that directly engaged with the hecklers, which is weird. That Cuba made progress on education. Yes, I think. Really? <clears throat> really? Yes, Literacy because there's program no comparing bad. What Barack Obama yeah. Barack said Obama is that. But it was. The only the most interesting part of the clip to me though was that this was the only time of the night, as far as I remember, maybe I'm wrong. It was one of few if there was multiple, because there was booze from the crowd all night. But it was one of the few times, and again, booze from the crowd is kind of one funny way of putting it. It was more like a few individuals booed, but there wasn't yeah. cheers to drown them out either. So Cody, but sorry, what I, what I want to get to is okay. what's really interesting is he was the only candidate all night to directly to the crowd 
comment on the reaction he was getting from them. Most people just kind of would say, well, moving on. But he was the only one that stopped him looking. I mean, he was basically speaking to audience members at that point. That was kind of interesting and telling. Uh, I don't know if it means he's frustrated. Or well, he telling just, of what? More, what is it telling Like I said, of? I don't know if it meant he was flustered and frustrated or that's just more of his style where he will say, really, why are you booing me? Whereas Warren wouldn't. I don't so, know. Also, there was times where it was confusing who was getting booed, so it would be harder for someone to address the crowd because there was multiple times where I'm like, I don't even know what's being booed at this moment. Multiple people are talking over each other about different ideas, and there's boos. Are they booing because multiple people are talking over each other? Are they booing because they don't like the candidate? Are they booing like, you know, sometimes someone will be like, we need to get rid of X, and they'll boo the X you were talking about. I had no idea what was getting booed half the time, so I think one of the few times Bernie could realize I'm the only one speaking, and they booed what I said. They must be booing me. That's hey, my theory. So can you play it one more time? Because I also have another theory. Really? Yes, because there's no comparing bad. What Barack Obama Barack said Obama is they made great So watch this very beginning really Cuba fast. Cuba made progress on education. Yes, I think. Really? <clears throat> really? Okay, yes, so look at that. Okay, so you can pause it now. For me, it's very difficult to believe him when he says... I'm going to condemn the bad parts of communism, oh, you know, the authoritarianism, the, 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 the slaughtering of the dissidents, the, uh, you know, restrictions on people that disagree with me and the destruction of their family and their lives and their property. And, and we're just going to focus on the good parts. When you're the only person that responds directly to hecklers by saying, really? I, <laughs> I could totally see a dictator you know, I could totally see a dictator being like, really? Did you just process? Take him away. Take him away. <laughs> like that really is only one emotional step away from take him away. <laughs> you know, where does he live? Gestapo, go pick him up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, his emotional engagement and absolute intolerance. It's obvious of even just one person booing him in the audience does does not really convince me that he can't he doesn't understand his opposition he's the one that says republicans will be attracted to a $15 minimum wage uh he he doesn't understand them he absolutely loathes them and he's not here to get along and, and if you're none of those three things what are you you're there to win and beat and conquer I mean, there's either persuasion or there's conquest. There's only really two ways of getting somebody to do what you want them to do. And by his behavior on the debate stage, it is obvious he is not interested in persuasion. You know what I'm saying? He'll try it, you know, a little bit. He's interested in conquest. That's the fundamental difference between capitalism and communism. One's conquest. One is persuasion through voluntary interactions. You know what I'm saying? So so I, I, I think that one right there, subconsciously on people, makes him not dig Bernie Sanders. I don't know. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense? <laughs> Cody's just like... I do. You got to give me those drugs. Whatever drugs you're taking in the morning, I got to get on them then. I have no idea what anything you just said means. 
Bernie okay. Sanders is an authoritarian because he responded to hecklers. I guess I thought it was just a moment. It was one of the by few, far the most. Thin it was skin. one of the few moments in the debate where it was clear what was being booed and why. And then he happened to just look at the crowd and go, "Really?" Because also remember, like I said, it wasn't like one of those things where it was like just this noise from the crowd. It was like three individuals. He was probably looking at the crowd when someone stood up and went boo when he looked at. It. I was like, "Really? Why are you booing me?" Like I don't, I don't, I don't like Bernie. I'm not even defending it here. I'm just saying I'm not going to psychoanalyze Bernie Sanders. I just thought it was a moment where he someone from the crowd said something and he just reacted like hey, there was well, there other was... moments where the candidate's reaction was confusion because they were booing seemingly right oh play one hold on one second i actually i actually clipped one last night i want to show you guys what I'm talking about where i did not know who was being booed or why or what because your clip was... game was on point last night yeah, by well the way, it's just dude. it's just easier to, to store them this way otherwise i lose them and forget I always... yeah while he's pulling that up there's he's... so many times where i like something on twitter and then i don't know what happens i go back later to find it and it's just been unliked i guess but we're getting to our favorite moments of the debate one more of my favorite moments of the debate really quickly before this was at the very end of the debate when uh, one of the hosts ran over the other host and was like, oh, hold on a minute. We're not leaving yet. We have time for one more question. And then they come back and say, okay, anyway, so wrapping up. I was like, what is this? But let's listen to this. Tell me. Seriously, let me know in the comments. Who is being booed in this clip? And hey, maybe maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I don't know what I'm watching. But tell me if you can figure out who's being booed. Oh, sorry. One second about that. Let me close one more thing. But I honestly don't know. And if I had to guess, eh. If I had to guess, I would probably say it was. Well, while you're pulling that up, I say say it's Warren, but tell me what you think. We're doing that, Senator. Look, whoever we want to get to the we want to get to the issue. We want to get to the issue of who who have discriminated. We are doing that, Senator. Look, whoever we want to get to we want to get to the we want to get to the issue. We want to get to. The context there, they're talking about releasing women from MDAs at Bloomberg's companies. Are they booing Bloomberg? Are they booing Warren for bringing it up? Are they booing Bloomberg for not having done it? Are they booing the concept of NDAs? Are they booing the discussion? I honestly had no idea. So there's a lot of moments like that where it's like you can't really react to the crowd because the only reaction is what's going on. I, I almost feel like at that moment there was like competing hecklers. Like the Bloomberg people were booing the Warren people for booing the other candidate. It was yeah. just... It was just crazy. So I just like I said, I think the Bernie moment stuck out because it was one of the few moments of the night where it was kind of direct what the crowd was reacting to and how they were reacting. Even then, though, it was like three people. So yeah. So so here's here's the two things that I'm going to say before we finish. First off, okay. I know I usually do this at the end of the video, but I do have to put in a plug for following us on Twitter at PSP Radio One because uh, your clip game yesterday was totally on point. Cody was ratcheting out for like every one cool clip of something funny uh, that Bloomberg said. Like Cody was pumping out seven or eight of them. And it, w- it was pretty epic. And it was an experience that could only have been found on Problem Solver Politics Twitter. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. And then the second thing I'd like to say is, Cody, I mean, at this point, just like they said, the CBS moderator said in the debate yesterday that, oh, well, these debates are interactive now. And with our partner, Twitter, I have a question for you. And they you know, asked him a Twitter question. Right. So um, or something along those lines. So anyway, I thought if we really are now engaging in a world where you pretty much can have interactive debates, why don't we just straight up have a camera on the audience? Because now that boos and heckling are just expected 
as part of the event. I don't want to see pictures the next morning of the protesters storming the stage that we didn't get to see on camera. I want a straight up audience shot. So when people are booing, you can see who it is. So when the hecklers are trying to break past security and run up there, you can see it. You know, like if this is going to be political theater, if this is going to be bread and circuses, I want it to be like like your one show that you love from the 80s, the 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 Morton Downey like, like Jr. show? Or? Before you get too far into this analogy, do you know why that's not possible and will literally never happen? Why? If I had to guess, if somebody came into my room and I was in an office, I'm a producer, and they say, how do we uh, encourage protesters <laughs> to protest our, our No, we're documenting more? them, not would, encouraging them, say, documenting how them. How do I encourage them? I'd probably broadcast every uh, protest nationally on the debates. I would, I would, as producer, hijack the debate coverage to show you protesters. That's why I would encourage protesting at our events. Hey, you they've been they hijacking hey, for years. that sounds great. I can't wait to do it. No, sorry, no. man. <laughs> Again, I got, you got to give me those drugs whatever you're on this morning because I have no idea what you're on. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Let us know what you guys think in the comments below. If you haven't had a chance yet, join the channel. It's a really inexpensive way to make sure that we keep this content coming to you without any corporate sponsorships. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at PSP Radio 1 or on Instagram at Problem Solver Politics. This is Problem Solver Politics. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in the next video.